happens when you put joy, superheroes, and a love of all things good and holy together? You get the Guardians of Virtue podcast, designed for saints who want to fight for the most precious of all gifts of our time, virtue. Join your host, Elisa Lindsay Johnson, that's me, as I discover everyday heroes who all have one thing in common, a desire to fight as Guardians of Virtue. For God, freedom, and our families, let's discover together what it really means to be a guardian of virtue. Hey guys, so on today's episode, I am excited to introduce to you Andre Polanski. He is from Ukraine. Um, A lot of you might know him as Andre the Deliverer. That's what he does for a living. He delivers food to people in his country, and he started doing that in 2017. And then when the war hit, his city is right next to the border of Ukraine and Russia. And so um, when the war hit, he felt like he should stay uh, in his city and he started using his contacts um for his business as a way to get food to people in need he he had a hand in making sure that farmers still stayed in business and all that because because of the work that he does and so for the last year andre has been spending four to six hours a day delivering food to people who need it who can't get it themselves and other items. He also um, spends his time putting together family days weekly where people can come to the um, church building and watch movies. And he invites anyone off the streets uh, and friends and family to do that. And he also started an English class. So Andre is busy doing some really good things and serving the people in his country, in his city. And uh, that just really amazes me. <laughs> and in our conversation, you'll see that, that he thinks he's being selfish because he would be, he said he would be bored otherwise. And um, he likes the feeling that he gets when he serves people. And so that is why he serves. And um, so I think, I think he definitely, uh, is not selfish for doing that and he's just an all-around really good guy and i um decided that he is a guardian of charity for obvious reasons he not only serves the people in his city but he also loves them and and that goes hand in hand with with serving so he is a guardian of charity and i'm so excited i've been so excited for this interview uh because to me he he is a lot like Captain Moroni in how he dedicates his life to his people. And I really admire that. So without further ado, let's do this. All right. Well, Andre, thank you for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. Um, I have... I think been following you for almost a year ever ever since around the time the war started and people started sharing your story more and more and um I you have been uh really inspiring and a great example for what it really means to be charitable and on this podcast I interview people who I think are guardians of specific virtues and um I think you are a guardian of charity and so um, to start off, what do you think it means to be a guardian of charity? Like, what does it mean to you to be a guardian of charity? Well, for me, it's... Uh, um, so the guardian of charity, for me, for my personal understanding, uh, is that someone who does something for somebody else and not asking anything in return, and then does it with like pure intent because he wants and because that's the desire of his heart or her heart. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes it's hard to get to that point (laughs) Uh, because naturally, I think we're both 
creatures who want what we want. But I think also we have this juxtaposition where we also do have a desire to serve other people. So it's like this constant, I don't know, at least for me, it's this constant war within myself. Like I know it's good to serve other people, but sometimes it can be a selfish, like I can be fighting the selfish, you know, natural man. Um, So one of my biggest heroes in the scriptures is Captain Moroni. And um, I think that, or so in the scripture, one of my favorite verses that talks about him, it says, if all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. And I think you are a lot like Captain Moroni. <laughs> um, you devote most of your time serving your people in a time of war, just like he did. And so uh, what's it like to serve the way that he did and where you're never stopping and you're always looking for ways to help others? That's uh, difficult and tiring, but somehow it's so rewarding because of the feelings that you feel and the added strength that you see in your life is like above all other, you know, uh, all other uh, rewards that you can get. Because when you see, when I see God's hand in my life, it's not me who does all this, you know, deliveries and work and all this stuff, but I'm doing this because of his grace and because he has blessed me with uh, talents, with the opportunities, with right people around me, with the ability to hold the phone and, you know, contact with people and tell people the stories. And uh, without him and without his grace and the knowledge that he implants and strength that he gives me, I wouldn't be able to do that. That's for sure. Yeah. uh, In the Book of Mormon, you know, there's all these examples of of people like us who are asked to do um, things that are challenging, like uh, Nephi building the boat. He didn't, I don't think he had ever built a boat before, (laughs) you know, like it's not something that he really I mean, that's just my guess. Maybe he did. I don't know. But my guess is he didn't. And and in the scriptures, it says that he was shown the way how to do it, you know, from like building the tools to putting them together, convincing his brothers to like help build the boat. And uh, I think it is um, amazing what can happen when we include God in our work, especially when it's inspired through him. Like you said, it is with you, with your deliveries. Yeah, and I strongly believe that uh, God has prepared all of us for some kind of, you know, future that we believe right now. And he, you know, uh, allowed us to go through certain obstacles to learn something that would be useful for us today or that would be useful for us tomorrow or in 10, 10 years. And when we look back and see what we have learned and why this particular uh, challenge we had in our life in the past, and we see that from that challenge, we learn that we know more loving, that we are able to be more compassionate and to see people how, well, try to see people how Lords, how Lord sees them. Then it just, uh, you know, the veil is uncovered from your eyes and you can see more clearly and you see how, and you're trying to see how the Lord is seeing. Yeah. So let's talk about that. You own a delivery business, right? Yep. So, um, how long have you how long have you had that business? Uh, I started in 2017. Okay. I uh, started this business with my friend, uh, and then I took over by myself. But uh, yeah, that that was something that I was really you know open to, and that was something that never I have never done before. And it was interesting for me to work with the farmers to find out what they grow, how they grow, um, then take the produce, test it, see if it's really good quality, and then deliver it to my clients. So that was my uh, my job from 2017 up till this day. And in that job, I I met so many people, so many like local farmers who were producing the. Uh, how do you call that? Food produce. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say so? What you said that um, earlier that things 
in your life prepare you for what you're doing now or for you know what you're going to do in the future so um what what prepared you to become a food delivery person like what what happened before 2017 that helped you help prepare you for that work Uh, I think, well, many things happened, but I couldn't certainly say why I decided to go to the delivery. I worked for Chevron, for like Chevron in America, but I was working in Russia for Mm -hmm. this whole company. And uh, they had a big project and I worked there for four years. And then when the project was over, I came back to to Ukraine, to my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I but it's so easy to find a good paying job. And I was looking for a month. I was looking for two months. I was looking for six months. And I couldn't find anything. It's good that I worked for Chevron. And they, you know, spoiled me with all the bonuses and mm-hmm. stuff and benefits working for the oil company. So and I was really spoiled. I was, I was looking for something similar, but mm-hmm. possible to find in Ukraine for me. Uh, and I found one job that paid similar salary, but I would have to work from seven in the morning till eight at night from Monday to Saturday. It's like crazy hours. And I mm. wasn't uh, ready to, you know, to exchange my time for, for mm-hmm. the money. So, and then my friend and I, we, well, he's a, he was already entrepreneur in inter- entrepreneur. <laughs> interpreter. Yeah. Not interpreter. Oh, he no. Was, He's like owner of his business. Oh, okay. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, so it's he, a hard word for me to some, say. <laughs> he had some ideas and then worked together and came up with this idea to start this business. Okay. And like I, I had no interest in in farmers or farms or whatsoever, but that's something that clicked. And I don't know. Well, now I know why I had this idea and why I started this. But back then, it was like, uh, oh, well, yeah, that's something I'm interested in and I would like to you know, develop in that way. Yeah. So um, do you still work with those same farmers that you started working with in 2017? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most of them. Some of them, after the war, they either closed their farms and left the country or they closed their farms because there is no way for them to and for their animals to survive because we live really close to the borders with Russia, like 40 kilometers. Mm. It's, it's really close. It's like yeah. drive to mm. the border. So some of them run away and their animals suffered and they just let them go. I don't know what's where they're now, but yeah. But one great thing that happened because those farmers, they don't know how to sell. They don't know how to, they don't, you know, all this on this ability to communicate with people. They don't have anyone who will come to them and buy from them. And when the war hit, uh, I was the only person that could, you know, go there, pick it up, and then deliver it to people. And it was a great blessing because if not for me, most of the farmers would say, no, we're not doing this anymore because there is no way for us to sell, no way for us to keep our farm, to keep our goats or cows or you know chickens and other animals and so but i i had the contacts and i had the means to go there and to pick up their produce and in that way they were able to survive and to save their farms and from the other hand i had so many people who were not able to go to the store because the stores were closed and they didn't have any means to buy the stuff because there's nowhere to buy and that connecting person because I had two 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 uh, two parties one who grew yeah. the food didn't know how to get it to people and I was uh, you know delivering to people so that was perfectly arranged for me and for the people that I worked with yeah so in that way you are also serving the farmers because you know like you said they they could have left or their farms would have failed if it wasn't for your business. Oh, yeah, big times, yeah. Did you have to work, like, did you have to convince them to stay? Any of them to stay? Some of them, yes, I would have to convince because they were like, they weren't sure what was going on. And of course, they couldn't rely on me because there's a war. How can you rely on a man when there's a war? I mean, right. I wouldn't be able to rely on anyone. But yeah, there was, uh, we had long discussions and I would, you know, try to assure them that 
will be going and that my business is still on. Obviously, all my clients went away to like different parties, different parts of Ukraine or the world. But because I had this um, other now new clients who got the food for free, um, I was able to help those farmers. And my business uh, was based on helping the farmers, firstly, yeah. to help the local farmers be interested interested in growing their food and you know making it good so the people could enjoy it. Yeah. Um, oh man, I had a question and it escaped me. Um, <laughs> uh, don't you love when that happens? Uh, <laughs> um, well, and it so it's you served your mission. Sorry, I'm asking all these questions that aren't on the list that I sent you. That's <laughs> no, fine. You served your mission in Scotland. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. And that's where you learned English. Yes. Um, and it, you do like you you do a great job at speaking English, probably better than a lot of English speakers. Um, <laughs> um so which I think so I I personally, if I were to have come across you on social media, like on Instagram, and I saw that you delivered people well, delivered food to people but i couldn't understand like if you were you know still speaking in ukrainian or do you guys speak russian i don't this is how ignorant i am do you speak russian or ukrainian like is there a dif- is there a difference in the language difference. Uh, i speak russian uh, but i also speak ukrainian but mostly most of my day i speak russian because we're so close to russia and it's like it used to yeah. be one country. so my grandma my mom me, I'm speaking Russian, but when I went to school, it was in Ukrainian. When I went to university, it was in Ukrainian. So it's similar languages, but it's different. So. Yeah. Okay. So like if I were to have come across your account and you're speaking Ukrainian or Russian, I probably would have been like, that's really cool. But I don't, I don't know if I would have gravitated to it like I have, because I can understand, you know, when you're talking about what you're doing. And so, and I think you gave you like you had a lot of people donate from the states also probably partially partially because you know english and so i think there there again that's another thing that that another uh your mission in scotland learning english years ago is something that also pre- like prepared you for what you're doing now absolutely 100% true because if i wouldn't speak uh, the language I wouldn't be able to, well, I probably would be able to do something else, but I wouldn't be able to do things that I have done for the past year. And yeah, yeah, I mean, you opened my eyes. Now, another reason why I went to Scotland, because uh, I served like a mini mission, uh, in mission with the missionaries from the States, and they would, you know, encourage me to learn English. And I was really against that. And they would tell me, but you would go on a mission one day, and you would have to learn the language. Like, no, I'm staying somewhere around where I don't have to speak English because I don't know English. They don't send people who don't know other languages to other countries. And it's like, so I'm, I'm just going to stay here and going to speak Russian or Ukrainian. And then the missionaries that I'm certain with, they would, you know, have to learn my language, not other way around. <laughs> but, but the Lord had other plans for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's It's amazing how how the Lord guides our lives to like you said earlier, to prepare us for, for the work he wants us to do. Um, and-, and sometimes it's, well, he does always guides us and think that I learned for the past, in the past year that um, if we just follow his lead without any questions or concerns, it would be so much easier. Mm-hmm. Or from the other hand, when some people, you know, just trying to be, uh, struggle with the with this and be stubborn it makes so much harder because that was the case for me when i went to scotland and when i had to learn the language and when i read in the in the missionary manual that uh, as you go on a mission you will receive the gift of tongues and for me the gift of tongues is like something that you receive without doing anything it's a gift (laughs) that's what i was expecting yeah (laughs) But I had to put a lot of work into that. <laughs> yeah, uh, my husband served his mission in Chile, and um, Spanish didn't come easy to him. And um, 
he told me that he like would walk down the streets like practicing how to roll his tongue you know because the <laughs> r's are rolled and uh just so that he could get it right which i grew up in california and and uh and i've lived in miami and i've never been able to speak spanish with rolling my <laughs> tongue so so it's definitely a blessing that comes when you're on your mission i think <laughs> yeah. um so you you started delivering to people delivering food to people in need after the war started yeah um and so what has that experience been like the experience uh, at first uh, i was really emotional because i saw the people in despair and as i would deliver the food to them sometimes i would cry because i see how grateful they are because there is no one else or nobody else or nowhere else that they could give, get this food and uh, first it was really emotional for me because i saw how like literally being an instrument in in his hands and now just a normal everyday life for me <laughs> but yeah. still something that i enjoy doing when i meet different people and sometimes they are grateful sometimes they're not sometimes they don't even need what i deliver to them and i you know i tell them you don't need that why are you taking this because there are so many people that you know would really benefit from what you're taking right now so i'm being really strict right now with yeah. the, with some of the people but yeah it's it's a great example of how we can serve every day to people that we don't know and that you know really need our help how do, how do you find out who to deliver food to so uh, first it was all my friends and family would text me the, those who have left they would text me and say hey my mom is living there could you please help her because she couldn't get out and so at first it was my friends and family and friends of friends and then it was um uh people who find me on instagram and would you know text me and say hey could you please help us uh, and now we have separate instagram account where people could you know, write their concerns and their needs and what they you know how they found at us and we would ask them some probably un, uh, uncomfortable questions <laughs> really need that do you have any like family around you uh, do you have a car do you because the car having a car in ukraine is not common right? because we have public transportation uh, and because I know in the States, it's impossible to live without the car. <laughs> but I, you can't I was, walk anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And Ukraine is absolutely different because we have stores around. We have like everything so close by and we have public transportation and underground. So mm -hmm. if you have a car, it means that you are, uh, you know, somebody who is above, you know, the surface. and you Doing cannot, better than, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. Some, some questions that could be uncomfortable. And then if, you know, we're satisfied and we usually are satisfied. I have um, a friend of mine. She was working for me, for my business. Now she's working, not working, but helping with this Instagram account. She communicates with people. And then she just sends me the list uh, of people that she already you know, interviewed. And she knows that they are the people who need, uh, who are in need. We go there and. That's awesome that she's she helps you with that. Um, so uh, have you always had a service-oriented heart or is your love of service something that has grown over time? I want to say always. <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, for the past year, it grew bigger. My heart grew bigger. My service heart grew bigger uh, because I'm doing this like every day, every week, almost Every day, not every day, but I used to do it every day. Now we're doing it only four to five days a week. And um, as as I'm doing this, I learn more and more about the service and how I'm being used by the Lord uh, to help his children. And uh, this is the great experience that anybody can have in their life. And I don't know, probably we all had uh, something in our life when we helped somebody. And we felt great. And then we, we learned from the person that's, that this person was looking for help. And we were that person who helped that other person. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's happening to me every day when people are 
expecting help, we go and help. So you said you do it four to five days. What are the hours like? Hours like like how many hours each day are you delivering food? Uh, four to six hours. That's how long we spend for for delivery. Sometimes we go our way and takes long. And we just take in two or one or two groups because it's far. And another time when it's somewhere in the area, we take three or four groups of people. And now we're doing the groups because it's more efficient for us uh, because we don't have to drive all around and spend a lot of money on the gas. So, mm-hmm. But of course, sometimes uh, we are taking uh, like uh, individual orders yeah. you know, f- from the people that, I trust and I know that they don't have anybody else. And uh, so we go there and once a month, twice a month, go and help them out with some food or toothpaste, soaps and shampoo and stuff. Like that. Yeah, uh, that, that's a lot of time to devote to something uh, in general, like um, four, to, or five, four to six hours a day. Um, that's pretty amazing that you're willing to devote that much time to um, to something when there's at least I feel like there's always so much that one can do or needs to do during the day. And so to take that much time is really admirable. And I wish I could say that I could do that too. <laughs> but uh, see, the the problem, not the problem, why I'm doing this, because I have no friends here. All my friends have left uh, the country or my city. So I have nobody to hang out with. And um, things are not open yet, like movies. and yeah entertainment's not open so like what do you do and then i work two days a week like for my business mm-hmm. you know set up and everything is working perfectly i know the people i know how they work and everything is like running like a clock i don't have to spend a lot of time on that yeah and uh if i wouldn't be doing two to, f- to six out i mean four to six four to six hours uh, of deliveries i would probably go crazy so <laughs> me being selfish and you know spending time with real people yeah you know, and hanging out with with my driver fair enough yeah uh, uh, you guys must be like best friends right now right <laughs> hanging out well, all the time <laughs> yeah i'm really tired of him being honest <laughs> i won't tell him that you said that <laughs> please don't oh i love it okay um so what are some major challenges that you've come across as you've been serving these people this year? Well, the biggest challenge that I had is my health because I didn't, well, I'm not taking a good, good, good care of myself. And uh, for the first time in, in my life, I had this severe back pain that I never had. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. But I had just <laughs> um, nerve thing. I don't know how you call that. But it was just for one day and, and just went away. So that was really scary because I never had any any kind of pain like that. Yeah. And it was really scary. I, I, I couldn't say it's been challenging because it was just for one day. But you know, <laughs> it's like the end of life. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I, I deal with chronic pain. So I, I know what that, the days that are like that, it does feel like it's the end of your life. <laughs> and then yeah. another. Challenge. Uh, yeah. what that challenge? No, I don't. I, yeah, I couldn't come up with any other hardships right now because I'm I'm so used to live. Uh, I'm so used to living in uh, uh, circumstances of war when you you know constantly go through stress, and now yeah. it's normal normal for me and for the people around. It's like it's really difficult to tell challenge from not challenge because. Everything is challenging. Yeah. But at the time you got used to that, and now it's no more challenge. It's just you know your life now. Right. Um. Has it been difficult sourcing food and goods sometimes? It's been difficult. Yes. Uh. In the beginning, uh, first like three months, it was difficult because the stores are closed. I had just limited uh, amount of farmers who could give me limited amount of food, and I had so much. Uh, need but then the stores started to open and now the stores are open and the shelves are full but the prices is really really high it's like people or even went up four times 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're we're experiencing price hikes here for yeah, I'm sure post COVID and so many other things. So I could only imagine what the addition of war would do to prices. Yeah. Um so my mom, I had an experience in college um where I was really sad because um I so I'm a pianist and I went to college with the intention to um get a piano degree and my college professor told me at the end of the semester my first semester that if I wanted to be to do the piano degree that I would have to work like two or three times as hard as the other pianists and I'd have to put in more hours and and I just kind of really wasn't cut out for it and so that really that was a depressing and it's such a like thing looking back at it 15 years later but um back then it it was devastating to me and um and I remember sitting we had like a bunk bed and I had my desk underneath the bunk bed and uh I was sitting underneath the desk and just like crying and talking to my mom on the phone and she's like Elisa you need to find a way like find somebody to surf and that'll help you feel better and um so that lesson of of serving during times of your own hardship or stress really stuck with me. And so um, you've already talked a lot about um, the joy that you find as you're serving these people. Um, Do you have any specific experiences that you can share um, where you experienced that joy? Yeah. Uh, The famous babushka Katya, the grandma Katya, she's a record. And uh, somebody... uh, um, somebody gave us her name on Instagram and I was hesitant to go there because she was far away and we didn't have anybody else there. And I was like waiting for two or three weeks until we went there because for me, she just another name on, on the list. And when I went there, I met her and she was struggling from loneliness and uh, from being away from, from her home where she spent uh, her whole life. And, for elderly people, it's really hard to to adapt to the change yeah. and the change during the war. And uh, for me back then, I felt really humbled that uh, the Lord used me to to keep her company and to just go there and visit her like uh, like He would, mm-hmm. and He wouldn't want from her anything, and He would just be there for her and spend time with her and tell her that everything would be alright. And for me, it was a really good experience when. <clears throat> I suddenly felt like I'm not in my body and somebody else is doing this and I'm just looking from from like from the distance what is going on there so that was one of the experiences I had um, you know being really humble because I had her name for three weeks on my list and I just hesitated to go there but mm-hmm. the Lord knew who needs what and he gives us he gives me the names and he gives to other people impressions of what they need to do and how they need to do this and uh, from that time I'm, I'm i'm trying to you know follow the spirit and feel the spirit and understand what the lord wants me to do tomorrow so today i don't know what i'm be do- what i'll be doing tomorrow i'm not you know setting any plans but i look the, at the lists that uh, my friend sends me from instagram that she extracts from instagram and i then Prayfully decide where I need to go and when I need to visit. That's that's so awesome. It yeah, and it's amazing. Again, it's amazing what Heavenly Father can do through us. <laughs> yes. And and it's a good reminder that we need to check in on our elderly friends because um, my my grandmother is ninety. She'll be ninety three this year, and I went to visit her last year and. Um, and I surprised her. I just flew out there and surprised her. And she kept saying, I can't believe, I can't believe you came to see me. I can't believe you came here just to be like, just to visit me. And uh, it made me feel guilty because I hadn't done that before. And, and made me realize how important it is for them to still feel connected to life and to other people because it, her, her life consists of, you know, do, like meeting with her other old friends once a week to do come follow me. And then, uh, sitting and watching her favorite, you know, movies on TV until like midnight. And so <laughs> to have uh, those other interactions 
you know, is important for they're still humans. They still need love and attention. And so that's amazing that you get to visit her. Your, what, what did you say? Katya? Katya? Mm-hmm. Is that what you said? Yeah. How do you rely on the knowledge of the gospel and Jesus Christ as you deliver food and do the work that you do? I know we kind of talked about that because you pray every day to know who you should visit. Um, but how else do you do that? Could you collaborate on the question? I didn't understand. Um, yeah. So um, how so how does the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his gospel help you as you um as you work to find like as you work to find people to deliver to like i guess how does it drive you how does the how does the knowledge of the gospel drive you to do this work is that a better way to say it yeah 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 i understand um thank you for expanding the question yeah absolutely <clears throat> well without the gospel for sure i wouldn't be doing this i'd be doing something else because uh, I grew in uh, in not in a family that were not churchgoers or believers. I mean, I think I believed in God. I think you know I kind of imagined God being God, but I never did anything to to act upon that faith. I just lived like a normal teenage life. Uh, and when I learned about the gospel, when I learned about Christ and Him being an example for me. I was it was one of the doctrines that it was really strange for me, like how God can be example for me, how can how can I comprehend? Mm-hmm. But then you know, uh I learned about his life and how he acted and how he loved and how he treated other people and how he allowed other people to treat him. Uh, that helped me to learn that I could be more like Christ, I could follow his footsteps and I could try to adopt those attributes that he had and that he has and try to use it in my life. That was my first steps in, in trying this. And now, as how many years? Many years has passed, 20, 24 years since I've been baptized uh, and joined the church. And since then, I'm trying to I'm trying to be like Christ in everything I do. Of course, it's like it's, I'm far from uh, from being Christ, like Christ. But the thing that is counting for me is that I'm trying. I'm not, you know, perfect. I'm not able to do things as perfectly as he wants me to. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I don't like people. Sometimes I get frustrated. Sometimes I just, you know, want to be left alone. But I'm still trying to be like Christ. I'm still trying to to use those attributes that he possesses in my life, in my relationship with the others. And this really helps. This helps me to be more patient, more loving, uh, more caring for other people. Because, um, you know, one may think, because I'm doing so much uh, service for others, that means that I have this huge heart filled with charity and I'm so loving. But... I don't think it's true. I think I I need I have a lot of room to to improve. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, oh, go ahead. Sometimes it makes me sad because you know I understand how imperfect I am. But at at the end of the day, like, have you tried? And then yeah, I have tried. That's everything that counts. Yeah, in in the book of Nephi, Nephi has or one of the I think it's the second one. He, he Nephi Psalm. Where he's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I have all these imperfections, but I'm trying. Like it's the same, same, same thing. You are really charitable, but you're like we're all human, and so we're gonna have both. Like I said earlier, we're gonna have both sides of the spectrum, and and as long as we try, that's what matters. I love it. Um. So besides delivering food, you also run English classes and family days. Is that right? Yeah, that is correct. Um. Are those, do you do those through your calling at church or is that also part of the service that you do outside of church and work? That is the part of the service that I do outside of the church. That's and amazing. It, it happened because I was so tired of deliveries and I thought, well, I need to stop and do something. But I couldn't just be home and, you know, stay home for, for, for these hours. 
because it would it it would drive me crazy. Yeah. So try to find a way to engage people in this process and help them to you know have something different because that's what I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so that's me being selfish again. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to meet people. I wanted to spend time in a safe and protected place. Uh, I wanted to watch movies. I wanted to have snacks. And then the family day came out where we have snacks, we watch movies, we invite uh, friends and family, we invite just random people from the street to come and join and um, watch movies with us. Cartoons. We don't watch movies, we watch cartoons. Because we have children there and so that's, that's how we do this. That's fun. Yeah, I was wondering like who you invited, if it was just members of the church or anyone. So it sounds like do people off the street come? Like, what are they? Do they really come? Ninety-nine percent of people who are attending our church building, where we held our family day, is non-members. Okay. Have heard of the church, and that's their first introduction to church and church buildings and yeah. everything else. We have only one family who comes who are members of the church, apart from me. Okay. So uh, you're you're selfishly putting on these movies. To also share the gospel with people by inviting them to come to the church to do it. No, I'm being really selfish, as I said before, because I want to see, I want to watch this movies. I want to watch, the, well, sometimes I don't like cartoons that they watch, but kids are really, you know, excited to watch some yeah. movie that I understand. I was like, yeah, sure, you can go ahead and watch <laughs> Yes, uh, every Saturday we, um, we have this family day, that's how we call this event. And we invite families with children, and they come, and we have snacks. Um, and then afterwards, we have games for the children. Yeah, it looks so fun. I'm sure that they they love it. Oh yeah, absolutely. They enjoy it. They love it. They, you know, they are always before they before we start when they come. Like, oh, are we gonna play games today? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's so fun. And then for the English classes, is that the same thing? Do you just invite whoever wants to come or is it for children or? Well, it's for, we invite everybody, anybody who wants to come, but it's just children. Yeah. Well, parents bring their children because parents think that they are too old to learn the new language and they give the their kids. Why know. is that? I I deal with, I I teach piano and I deal with that all the people are like I'm too old to learn and I, you're never too old to learn anything, but for some reason people, I think it's their excuse they just don't want to do it. <laughs> um, I, I I can totally empathize with being selfish about serving. I um I enjoy baking and so at general conference. Um, so when my mom, when I was a kid, we had, and it's a, it's a tradition for a lot of families in the States to have cinnamon rolls, like mm-hmm. before general conference. And, um, so when I was a kid, my mom would make homemade fresh cinnamon rolls on, on the Sunday morning. And in California, general conference is at nine, the first session. And so nine in the morning. And so we, my mom would wake up at like, five or six to make sure that we would have cinnamon rolls that we could eat in our pajamas while we're watching general conference. And so, but now I live in South Carolina and the time it's three hours, three hours different. And so we're up and at it and going and conferences will start until noon or something. And so I still make cinnamon rolls, but we've, we invite like friends and and stuff to come over and eat them and for me it's selfish because I too want to talk to people and I also like to hear them tell me that they like the cinnamon rolls I bake them (laughs) 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 so you know that's like the best part about baking is people telling you that it tastes really good so (laughs) well I think that's the best part of the service when you when you serve somebody and you see benefits that it that you bring to their life, the, the smile that you see, the good attitude that you see, the uplifted spirits that you see, because everything that you do for somebody else as a service, you know, would uplift their spirit and would help them in a different ways. And you could serve with your smile. That's a great way to serve. You can serve with your words. You can serve with cinnamon rolls or with, <laughs> you know, bag of food. Like mm-hmm. it could come. And uh, for, for the giver, the giver receives the same 
great blessings at the receiver. And uh, that's why sometimes I think I'm being selfish because I receive so much, you know, energy and strength and happiness because if I would be just sitting home and, I don't know, watching movies, I wouldn't be that happy. I wouldn't be, you know, that uh, energetic and efficient. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I totally agree. And I can only imagine what the world would be like if more people thought that way. Yeah. It'd probably be a lot more peaceful. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so um, trying to figure out how to serve others can be overwhelming. Uh, and it can sometimes feel bur- like a burden or tiring. And so what advice would you give to someone who may feel like um, feel that way about serving? Um, from personal experience and personal uh, yeah, experience. First thing that we need to learn and understand is how to love ourselves, how to take care of of ourselves. And uh, after that, we would be, you know, putting ourselves on the first place and then take care of ourselves, of our needs, of our sleep, our food, our health, physical and spiritual and mental. And then it would be so much better instruments in his hands serving and helping and i didn't understand that at first i was you know forgetting myself and trying to do as much as possible uh every day it's like it was crazy and Mm -hmm. by a certain point i was like yeah i couldn't do this anymore i need i need a break because i'm I'm gonna kill somebody if i (laughs) stumble upon somebody and um and my driver felt that uh, that on himself because <laughs> he spends a lot of time with me in the car. Yeah, he feared for his life. <laughs> but yeah, so first we need to take care of ourselves, and then we will be able to take care of others. There is no escape from that. I thought there, there is. I thought that you know, if I take care of myself first, I'm being selfish. But that's not the truth. And that's not what the Lord wants us. He wants us to love others as we love ourselves. So first, mm. how to how to love ourselves and how to serve ourselves and how to see ourselves in the mirror and say, I love you. You're beautiful. Uh, you're great. And sometimes, well, not sometimes, but most of the times when people see themselves in the mirror, they, they think how bad they are, how mm. old they are, how... Uh, skinny, how fat, how big, how small, and they try to find all this in impurities in themselves, where we just have to look in the mirror and see and see how blessed we are and see how mm. Father sees us, and yeah. then things are gonna change like drastically. Yeah, I I agree, and um, that is something I've struggled with over my life, and finally over the last five years, probably I've really worked on trying to see myself as Heavenly Father sees me. And uh, it, it does, it changes your life. And it, and it does make it easier to serve other people when you love yourself. Um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest tools that the adversary uses against us, right? And um, so, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it is really um, important to, to tell ourselves that, uh, that we are loved and that we are great because... As you said, adversary, you know, always in our mind, tells us how bad we are, how imperfect we are, how awful we are, how, you know, terrible the person we are. But in reality, that's simply not the truth. And we need to understand that. And we need to, you know, step out of this of this unloving shoes and, um, and love ourselves. And then, as you said, things would change. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I, so I saw this video on Instagram to kind of go along with that a couple of days ago. And it, the guy talked, talked about what words do, like the magic of words. And, um, he said that there's this experience, experience. No, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not good at quoting data or like all this <laughs> stuff. So I'm just going to tell you how I, how I tell you, and it's going to be good still. But he said in this experiment that you can do with your kids or your family, um, if you take rice, like white rice, and you cook it, you put half of it in one jar and half in another jar. On one jar, you put lo- like the word love. And on the other jar, you put the word hate. And 
every single day you tell you tell the jar of rice that says love three things you love about it i love you you're beautiful you're amazing or something like that and then on the on the hate jar you you say you know three bad things you're disgusting you're awful i hate you or something like that and after a, a, a certain amount of time it they it, they showed the jars and the love jar so this cooked rice I assume it's just sitting out on the counter. The The love jar is just fine. Nothing bad has happened to it. But the hate jar is all moldy and disgusting. and wow. Just because of the words that were spoken to these jars. And so words, like you said, you said it was really important to tell yourself that you, you love yourself, that you're beautiful, that you, you know, are important, that God loves you, all these things. Because words really do change our biology in some ways and it helps us see ourselves better and helps us have the capability to serve other people so it's a it's crazy though that like that idea is so crazy to me that something like that would work but um so to finish out this interview i always ask the same two questions at the end of end of my interviews so the first one is this what is an event from the life of jesus christ that shows that he's a guardian of charity because Obviously, he is the greatest exemplar. Um, he he is the most charitable person that ever has lived. So what is something that happened in his life? Well, all his life is like a testimony of him being guardian of charity. Yeah. One of the particular examples is when he, in the upper room, washed the hand, uh, legs, feet of his disciples. And uh, I just read about this in uh, like in a historical manner where the narrator explained that this job for the lowest of the lowest to to wash the feet of the guests mm-hmm. and so sometimes i just couldn't even comprehend how how could he love the whole like multitudes of people that were born before him with him and after him and how he had this charity to serve everybody because personal experience again mm. i don't but there are some people that i dislike strongly mm. <laughs> when i think about these feelings like but still christ he knows them better he knows their secrets and still he loves every single person mm. without like, any um, um, reasons not yeah. to like or like them he just loved them and uh, when he washed the feet of his disciples that's what i when i dislike somebody i uh, try to think of this example of christ and see and then put myself on his place and see the person that i dislike that um would i wash his mm, yeah so that's um that's one of the example of of charity that i like to implement into my life that I like to work with to help me try to be more like Christ and try to be more like um, he being the guardian of charity. Oh man, I've never, I've never even thought about thinking about people that way. Would I wash their feet? And you know, I don't like feet. They gross me <laughs> so much. Exactly. So, That's, uh... I don't even know if I would wash my husband's feet. <laughs> I bet, but you know, like if it really came down to it, of course, that's something that I would do. But thinking about that with the people that I don't like, that's, that's an eye opener. That's something that I definitely need to think about. (laughs) (laughs) Because we all have people we don't like, like there are people, you know, and and I say don't like, because that's different than love, right? We we can love people we we don't like, but um, yeah, when we think about it that way, uh, it might make it a little easier to serve them when we may not want to. That's was beautiful. Um, so you you said that the Savior is, I mean, he's a true guardian of charity throughout his whole life, right? And um, one of the things that, so it's a big thing here in the, I feel like maybe here in the States, I don't know where else, but um, on social media to pick a word that, you know, for the year that you're going to try on, try and focus on, like, Last year, my word was stewardship. So like I tried to become a better steward of, at my home. I created a chore list and I, you know, tried to keep my house cleaner and 
different things steward over my body. I tried to focus on my health more. And this year, um, my my word is well, it's two words. It's be be interruptible. And um, the Savior, if you look at his life, most or all of the moments where he he did a miracle or where he um, you know taught something, he he was often on his way somewhere else and stopped mm-hmm. and and he was always he was always willing to stop and do you know and serve uh my favorite story is when he uh, when the woman with an issue of blood touched his garment and he stopped he was on his way somewhere but he stopped he was on his way to help somebody else i think i think if i remember that correctly um but he stopped and he told her like he took the time and told her that that her faith made her whole just by touching his garment and uh and so being interruptible is absolutely something that you do, even if it's selfish, <laughs> even if you think it's selfish. Um, and uh, definitely something that the Savior wants us to do. And so thank you for being that kind of example and doing what the Savior would do if he were in Ukraine right now. That's amazing. Um, okay, so this is this last question I'm going to ask you. And um, this is where I like to pay it forward um, to the people that we love. Um, if you could, or just anyone in general, if you can pick somebody either past or present who you think is a guardian of virtue, who would you pick and why? Oh, I haven't read this question. <laughs> <laughs> so, Surprise. Uh, <laughs> uh, who would I pick and why? You mean from my life or from any time? I... It can it can be anyone. Some sometimes people have picked prophets. Sometimes people have picked their moms. Sometimes people have picked um, a historical figure. So anyone that you think is a guardian of virtue, it could be anyone. Like my all time favorite person, I always usually pick is Captain Moroni because I think he's amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you got me here. <laughs> we we can wait. I have time. I'm not going anywhere. Let's see. One person, a uh, guardian of virtue. Well, sorry, a guardian of charity. So specifically. Guardian of charity. Can I choose my friend? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, here's a, um, I, I have a friend. He used to be in my branch who wore serving together in the branch presidency. He was branch president, I was his counselor. And now he's, he and his family are in the States because of the war. Uh, his name is Alexei. He is a real guardian of uh, charity. There's so many times when I was offended and uh, acted like I didn't like him because I didn't like things that he did. Well, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I didn't like him. But every time he would, you know, be so reasonable and so open and so charitable and he would come to me and just ask for forgiveness even like there was no wrong in him he was obviously always right but then like yeah yeah i forgive you yeah <laughs> then looking back i see how humble and charitable he was because he he knew that you know the relationship that we have is more important than a certain you know feelings of being right him. And for me, it was really important. I had to be right. <laughs> it was like, no, I'm, I'm going to be a person who loves you. I'm going to be a person who willing to change along with you. For me, he's uh, one of the guardians of charity. I really am grateful for his example, for his Christ-like example, and for his for him being part in my life. I love that. Um, that's, that's amazing. I think that's a true gift to be able to ask people for forgiveness, like to, to like a spiritual gift to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness, even when, even when you are uh, right and you know that you're yeah. right. Yeah. Just, and that's a, that's charity, right? To like do that just to help other people feel better, even though you're right. Like that's, a that's amazing. Yeah. Well, so I have been up until now, I've done a, a nine interviews, 10 interviews. My podcast is still really young, but um, that I prayed this morning to fill the spirit during the interview, and uh, I have I've felt it stronger than some of maybe all of them. Um, so thank you for bringing that to this chat, and 
for the spirit that you have and for the example of charity that you are. Yes, so. uh, and, uh, thank you as well for for doing this. This is amazing how how now using technology we can share our testimonies and our lives with others and our examples and have others people you know follow our example follow uh, our experience and have other people share their examples and you know admire them and see how you know if this person went through this that means that i can go through that as well and i have enough powers enough strength to go through that because this person just told this story and it was possible for this person so uh thank you for doing this this is uh, something that i admire when people go ahead and do something like like this when they do the podcast where we can share our our life our testimonies and share our beliefs and the spirit that we have yeah well there's so many amazing good people who are guardians of virtue in so many ways and so it's fun to be able to share them with other people. So thank you for letting me share you with all the people that I know, the tens and tens of people that I know. <laughs> no, mm. I, I love so, it. This. Well, you have a fantastic rest of your day. And uh, thank you so much. And yeah, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Guardians of Virtue podcast. Please don't forget to give us a follow. And if you have time, please leave a review. Peace out, dudes.